So blessings and joy, blessings and joy. These are two words that you hear a lot around this time of year connected to Christmas. This idea of being blessed, this idea of joy to the world, being full of joy. And I think uh, something we're going to see this morning in Luke chapter 1 is that oftentimes blessings and joy come from unexpected places. They can come from the most unexpected places. We're going to be reading about Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1. And um, when we read this portion of Scripture that describes Mary, it is really hard to walk away from this without going, wow, there is something significant and special about this woman, Mary. I mean, there is something special about her. You're going to see that in this text. And as hard as it is to, to read this and not get that impression, I have to confess that for much of my life, I have missed the beauty and the specialness and the significance of Mary. I, I realized this week when I was preparing for this sermon that never in my life have I looked at characters of the Bible, never in my life have I gone, man, I want to be like Mary. I have never thought that. This is a confession. There are many people in the Bible, of course, we all want to emulate Jesus, but you know, there's many other characters in the Bible that I've looked at and thought, wow, I wish I could be like Paul, who planted tons of churches and, and changed the face of the church, you know, for, for all that. I, I, I've tried to emulate my life after certain people, but I've never once said, man, I wish I could be like Mary. And I shared that with my wife this week, and she said, Aaron, that's probably because, you know, you're not a woman. You don't know what it's like to be pregnant. You don't know what it's like to, to have a baby. And I think there might be some truth in that, but I think there's something bigger at play in why I've missed Mary for most of my life. You know, I think much of Protestant evangelical Christianity, probably what a lot of us maybe grew up in, some of you maybe not, but I think a lot of Protestant evangelical Christianity has missed the significance in Mary in large part to a knee-jerk reaction to other Christian traditions that maybe elevate Mary in ways that make us uncomfortable. And so because of that, we just completely brush past her as this central character and, 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 and um, really main player in the story of Jesus. And this week I was realizing that, man, I have really missed some of the specialness of who Mary is. And uh, I, I want to encourage us this morning, let's really look into what made Mary so significant. Why was she such a key player and so important in the story of Jesus? So let's, let's read together. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Let's pause for a minute and make sure we understand our characters in this story here. So Mary, we talked about last week. I've been talking about her just now. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, this woman who an angel would come to her. She's engaged to be married. She's a young woman. Most speculate probably around the age of 15. And an angel says to her, woman, you are going to become pregnant. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you, and you will conceive, and you will carry a son, and his name will be Jesus. So here we find Mary, this young woman who's a virgin, never slept with a man, and she's found out that she's going to become pregnant. And she runs to one of her relatives' house, this woman named Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is introduced earlier in Luke's gospel. Elizabeth is like Mary in some ways. In that, Mary, in that Elizabeth is pregnant. And when Mary goes to see her, she's in the sixth month of her pregnancy. But Elizabeth is a little different than Mary in that she's not a young woman. She is an old woman. And when you read the beginning of Luke, you learn that Elizabeth was an old woman who had always wanted to have a child, and yet she had been barren. She had been praying to the Lord for years, for years and years and years that she could have a child. 
Early in chapter 1 of Luke, you find that an angel comes to her husband and says, Finally, I have heard your prayers. The Lord has heard your prayers, and your wife Elizabeth will become pregnant. So Mary runs to Elizabeth's home. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Mary found out that she's going to become pregnant, and she walks into Elizabeth's house and looks what happens in, in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones. But he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. I want you just to imagine this encounter of Mary and Elizabeth. Mary walks in the door, and she gives this greeting to Elizabeth. And it's so interesting, Elizabeth just responds with this ecstatic response. I mean, these two women were relatives, but I can't imagine that a visit from Mary was normally treated this way. Mary walks in, and all she has time to say is, Hi, Elizabeth, a greeting. Or peace to you, Elizabeth. Whatever it was that she said, as soon as she walks in, she gives her her greeting, and immediately Elizabeth just like bursts with this eruption of, Blessed are you! You imagine that if you went to your cousin's house, and you're like, Hey, what's up? Oh, you're so blessed! It's like this response, this explosion that just flows out of Elizabeth. What I want you to notice is that before Elizabeth makes this exclamation, it says she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Who was it that was moving her and prompting her to make this proclamation of the blessedness of Mary? It was none but the Lord himself. The Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth and she proclaims how blessed Mary is. And she says it twice. She says it once in, 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 verse four, in verse 42, and then she says it again in verse 45. And if you go back further in the story, you find out Elizabeth isn't the only one saying that Mary is blessed. When the angel shows up to Elizabeth, back in verse 28, she says, Greetings, you who are highly favored by God. What a greeting from an angel. Mary, highly favored. What a blessed woman. Angel says it again in verse 30. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. You are blessed by God. We have, the, we have Elizabeth announcing, inspired by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the blessedness of Mary. We have an angel showing up saying, Mary, you are favored. And then we have the words that come out of Mary's mouth herself. We see this in verse uh, 48. Mary says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I mean, that is a wild statement. 
Can you imagine? She erupts in song, and part of the song is that from now on, all generations will look at me and call me blessed. When I read that this week, I just I couldn't help but thinking of some of these other uh, major biblical heroes that we read about. People like Abraham, who when God comes to him and makes a promise and he says, Hey, Abraham, all generations, the whole world is going to be blessed because of this promise you and I have. I thought about David who was promised that, that, that the, the, the rule of his throne would never end, that his kingdom would eventually give birth to a king through whom all generations would be blessed. And so we see Mary being placed on this same kind of level as giants like Abraham and, and David, these heroes of the faith. And yet most of my life I've just read right past Mary. Wow, blessed by all generations. You cannot read this story and walk away going, oh yeah, Mary's all right. Oh, Mary, blessed by God Almighty. So what was it about Mary? What was it about the mother of Jesus that made her so special and so blessed and so significant? And you know the obvious answer, well, Aaron, that's kind of a dumb question. I mean, you know, she gave birth to Jesus. That makes her pretty special. Like she carried Jesus in her womb for nine months. But I want you to notice all these announcements of her blessedness come before she's had Jesus. The angel's greeting comes before she's even conceived Jesus. So what was it about Mary? And I love that we get an answer to this question from Jesus himself. So in Luke chapter 11, you have this interesting story where Jesus is speaking to a large crowd. In the middle of his talk, in the middle of this speech that he's giving to a large crowd, this woman cries out in verse 27 of Luke 11, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. She makes this proclamation very similar to what we read in Luke 1. We don't know if this woman knew Mary, but she hears Jesus' teaching and she goes, wow, blessed is the woman who gave you birth. And Jesus gives this really interesting reply. Look what he says in verse 28. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now much of my life, I have heard this verse used almost as ammunition to say, see, we shouldn't think too highly of Mary. Jesus himself refuted this woman's claim that his mother was blessed. There it is. Jesus said to himself. But notice what Jesus says. Jesus does not look at this woman and say, nope, nope, you're wrong. Nothing special about my mom. She's totally normal. That's not what Jesus says. No, Jesus replies. He says, let me show you the nature of what it means to be blessed. Let me show you where blessing really comes from. Blessing comes from hearing the word of God and obeying it. And you have to wonder if Jesus was even thinking about his own mother when he said that. Because you see, when you read the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1, this angel comes to her, a young woman, says, hey, you're going to be pregnant. Before you even had a chance to get married and start a family of your own, you're going to be pregnant. And look what she says. If you look in verse 38 of Luke 1, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary, in a time where she could have been stoned because everyone else, when they saw that she was pregnant, would think that she had slept with someone, not her husband. And in the middle of that, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May what you have said be fulfilled in my life. Mary, in a time where so many women lost their lives in the middle of childbirth, she says, I am the Lord's servant. 
May your words be fulfilled in my life. In this verse, we get a picture of the heart of Mary, and we understand why she's found favor with God and why she is blessed. It's because Mary hears the words of God, and she seeks to obey. Mary has this heart that is postured in submission to God, where she is willing to say, all of my life I submit to you, God, your will. Your desires, your words be done in my life. Mary was blessed because her heart was completely submitted to God. Because when she heard, she obeyed. You know, this word submit, I I was actually reluctant to even use it today because it has such a bad rap in our culture. I think most people, when they hear of someone submitting or they hear about submission, they think of somebody that is forced into submission. They think of like a dog with a heavy-handed owner with its tail between its legs. You know, in reality, this is not the picture of submission that we see in the Bible. Now, the word submission, the word submit, it's this Greek word that literally, the, the, what it meant was to voluntarily place yourself lower than someone else in order to lift them up. That's what it meant. It's a voluntary, it's not, you can't be beat into submission. No, submission is when you voluntarily lower yourself in order to lift someone up. Submission is, is what we are instructed. That's how we are instructed to relate to God. The brother of Jesus, James, in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, submit yourselves to God. This is not this thing where God comes down and forces us onto our knees before him, but where we voluntarily lower ourselves so that he could be made higher. You know, this is actually the way that we're instructed to relate to one another. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says, submit to one another voluntarily lower yourselves to one another, that you can lift one another up. Do this out of reverence for Jesus. Mary was blessed because Mary knew what it looked like to voluntarily lower herself before the Lord, to hear his word, and to step fully into obedience so that God could be lifted high. So Mary was blessed. And we need to understand what this word blessed even means. I think sometimes we confuse the world's understanding of blessing with what Jesus means when he says blessed. Or when the Lord says that someone is blessed, see, the blessing of Jesus comes in hearing God's word and obeying. It is not connected to worldly wealth, it's not necessarily connected to safety. The blessing of God is not necessarily connected to security or to comfort, but blessing is walking in right relationship with God. Blessing comes in knowing God Almighty and walking in right relationship with Him, and the right relationship with us to God is us knowing that God is higher than we are, and so we voluntarily lower ourselves so that He can be made much of. This is what blessing looks like in the kingdom. And I love this. Jesus becomes the ultimate example of this, right? This idea of submitting. You think about Jesus in Luke chapter 22. He finds himself in this garden late at night. And he knows that pretty soon he is going to be murdered for the sake of humanity. He knows the pain he's going to have to endure. And what do we find Jesus praying? He's praying to his father and he says, God, Father, please. If there's any other way for this to go down, if there's any other way for humanity to be reconciled to you, if there's any other way for for people to have right relationship with you, God, God, will you let another way come? 
But then he says those famous words. He says, but God, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, who in his earthly life was raised by this woman, Mary, who knew very well what it looked like to submit her life to the will of God. Jesus says, God, not my will, but yours be done. This is a picture of what it looks like to orient ourselves properly to God Almighty. And the promise that we hear from Jesus is blessed is the one who hears the word of God and obeys. This is what blessing looks like in the kingdom of God. And Mary, we see not only that blessing is related to obedience, but we also kind of see that there's kind of this unexpected outcome of obedience. Because let's just be real for a moment. That when the preacher gets up and starts talking about obeying and obedience, nobody goes, yes, I love sermons on obeying. I love talking about going to obey the rest of the week. Man, obedience really gets my heart pumping. Like nobody really feels that way. Like typically we think of obedience and we think of, ah, it's like this kind of this drudgery. All right, I got to obey God and do all the things he wants me to do. Don't get to do anything fun that I want to do, but I'm obeyed. I guess that means I'm blessed. That's kind of what we think of when we think of obedience. It's this drudgery, this responsibility that we have to do, but this is not what we see in Mary. Mary has this almost unexpected response when it comes to her obedience and submission to the Lord. She knows that she's blessed. And what we see in her is this expression of pure joy. There's like this elation that comes out of her as she starts talking about the joy of obedience and being blessed by God. And she sings this song. I mean, she erupts. And look what she says in verse 47. She says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In other words, what she's saying is my innermost being at the the deepest place of who I am. I am rejoicing. I'm full of joy because of who God is. Mary doesn't respond to obedience with this like, "Uh, okay, I guess I have to. No, she responds with this like song that erupts from her soul that she's full of joy because of who God is. Obedience doesn't produce drudgery. No, obedience fills us with joy unspeakable. And this just sounds backwards. It's not what we're used to hearing. But what we see in Mary is that there is joy to be found in walking with God. Blessing, the blessings of God are part of what what comes with obedience. And joy is a part of that blessing. Joy is a part of the blessing that you experience. But again, just like we had to look at what blessing means, because it's very contrasted with the world says blessing means, we need to understand joy. See, because I think the world would tell us that joy comes from when we indulge ourselves in all the things that make us feel good or that bring us pleasure. Joy comes from enjoying all the things that we can in this life. So everything that is at our disposable to bring us a good feeling or happiness or excitement or pleasure, we need to enjoy those and take advantage of them. I think this understanding of joy is kind of what breeds this idea of fear of missing out. I mean, everybody's heard about fear of missing out. I think fear of missing out is bred because we think that joy is connected to us enjoying the things that this world has to offer. This is not what the Bible speaks of when it talks about joy. It is not about pursuing all the things that we can in this world. No, Mary shows us that in God's kingdom, joy is very different than that. 
When Mary sings this song, she gives us this picture that in God's kingdom, it's actually kind of upside down. That God's kingdom, an understanding of what brings joy is upside down from the world. I mean, just listen to what she says. Look at verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Mary's song tells us this. Listen, in God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, in the eternal kingdom, the kingdom that really matters, it doesn't matter how highly we think of ourselves. It doesn't matter how much power or position we try to gain in this life. Those things don't accomplish anything for us in God's kingdom. That our financial status doesn't gain us anything in God's kingdom. But no, instead, God comes to the humble and he lifts them up. God feeds the ones who are hungry and God has mercy on those who fear him, those who have oriented their lives in the proper posture towards him. Joy in God's kingdom is not about what we accomplish, what we experience, what we can gain, what we can do for ourselves. No, joy in God's kingdom is connected directly to our obedience and our willingness to hear God's words and to step into full obedience to them. And I, honestly, I think this is one of the reasons why I've missed Mary for most of my life. I can't tell you how many times I have talked with people or preached a sermon where I say, hey, God is near to the lowly. God is near to the lowly. God lifts up the humble. God is close to the humble. But most of my life, I have looked at people who accomplish, and they're the ones that I want to model myself after. I look at people who have done great feats, and I say, that's the guy I want to be like. I want to be like Paul because he planted churches all over Asia and Europe. Man, that guy is serious. Look at that guy. Oh, Peter. Peter, one of the great apostles. I mean, he stood up to the religious elite and he helped plant the original church in Jerusalem. I want to be like that guy because he accomplished. And then I read the story of Mary and I go, well, Mary got pregnant and had a baby. And I make light of Mary's, the radical obedience that Mary showed. That She said, Lord, if that's your will, that's what I want. Lord, if that's your will, that is what I want. You know, I'm not sure that I've fully believed and embraced this idea that God is near to the humble. There are some of you in this room and you go, God could never use me. I don't have any special gifts or special talents. I don't have any big skills. I'm, you know, I can't sit up and preach to people. I don't even know how to talk about Jesus with my friends. God could never use me. And I tell you, look at Mary. She's a woman that she just heard God's plan for. She was not significant in her society. Nobody looked at a 15-year-old young woman and said, that woman's really going places in first century Palestine. And yet she was favored by God because she longed to hear God's voice and step into obedience in that. It doesn't matter who you are, how special you think you are or not. God says, will you listen to my words and just obey? Because blessed is the one who hears the word of God and obeys. Mary is this picture of long obedience in the same direction. Day after day, submitting herself to God, carrying a child, raising a child, loving that child, an unsung hero, a picture of obedience. Blessing and joy, blessing and joy 
They find their root in being fully committed to God and His ways and being completely open to submit myself to His will for my life. But what does this look like? How does this work? How does this work? It doesn't mean that when we are obedient or submissive to God that you suddenly like always, you know, some people think, oh, I've got to have joy. I've got to smile all the time. Being, being full of joy does not mean that you walk around with like this perma smile on your face. You know, the moment you submit yourself to God doesn't mean that suddenly you're always, you always look happy. Being submitted to God and obeying God also doesn't mean that you live in this constant state of ecstasy. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that God will necessarily even give you material blessing. No, the blessings and joy of God look a little different than that. In fact, sometimes the Word of God that comes to you will actually, actually disrupt your life in what feels like the most inconvenient of ways. I think about Mary. I mean, here she is. She's, she's excited about getting married and and this word of God comes to her and says, hey, you're going to get pregnant before you get married. You're, you're, you're going to experience all of this before you even have a chance to know your husband at a deep, deep level. It was not a convenient thing for Mary. And yet she says, okay. What does this look like for us? That when God's word comes to us, sometimes it's going to come in inconvenient ways. And I think for some of us, the word of God will come to you and God will say, hey, you really need to just confess that sin. You need to confess that thing that you've been hiding in the dark, the thing that you've been afraid to let anyone see. You need to bring it into the light. And you're going to go, oh, that's going to be so uncomfortable. Man, what are they going to think? What is my spouse going to think? What's my roommate going to think? My friend? What are my mom and dad going to think? God, I know you tell me to confess sins, but I don't, ah, oh, Really? And he says, blessings and joy, if you will walk in obedience in the ways of God, will you confess it? For some of us, you know, this idea of listening to the word of God and obeying it, sometimes it's going to mean taking a lower paid position than what you really wanted. I've, I've had friends who have been in a business where they've made a lot of money, and then they, they become aware of some of the practices of their business, and they realize that they're unethical, they're dishonest, and they have this decision to make, what, do I say anything? Do I stand up to that? I have one friend in particular, man, he had to leave the job that he was at. He had to walk away from it. He was making good money because he could not sit well at peace with the practices of those he was working for. You know, for much of my life, this has been the experience when I was, I mean, 18, 19, 20, even 21, I never imagined that I was going to be a pastor I always wanted to be something that, that made a little more money. I always wanted to be uh, materially successful. I wanted, I wanted to have a lot of the comforts of this world, so I gave myself to that. It's what I studied in college. I had a couple of different majors where I thought I could make a good living off of it, and God just kept coming after me. Like, he kept coming after me and kept coming after me in different ways. And I knew that he was saying, no, Aaron, I have something different for your life. When I was 21 years old, I finally said, okay, God, I will submit my life entirely. What do you want me to do? And I have not been perfect since that point, but God has led me on a journey that because I was willing to say, okay, God, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go, it has meant there have been times in my marriage that my wife and I have known that our financial ability to survive is completely dependent on the faithfulness of God and the generosity of others. And man, it's been hard. But man, it has been marked by joy, I promise you. That even those times where we didn't have much materially, we knew that we were blessed by God because we were trying to walk in obedience to Him. 
For some of you, the Word of God will come to you, and He will say, hey, it's time to be reconciled to that person that hurt you. It's time, it's time to forgive that person that you've been holding on to bitterness and a grudge with. And you go, oh, God, that's so inconvenient. And God says, hey, I, I forgave you so that you can know how to forgive. You see, the Word of God will come to us, and sometimes it will disrupt our lives in the most inconvenient ways. And he says, listen, blessings and joy are yours if you will step into obedience. Ultimately, we see this in Jesus, right? I love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 to, he says that Jesus, you know, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, I promise you that the pain and the suffering that Jesus experienced did not feel like joy. But Jesus saw the joy that lay ahead of him, the joy of reuniting all of humanity with their creator, the joy of being able to be close to all of God's people again because he would pay the price of sacrifice for their sins. And he said, okay, what I'm going through now is worth that eternal joy. You know, when the Word of God comes to you and it feels inconvenient, God is not saying, hey, give up your happiness and your comfort right now for misery. No, He's saying, listen, be willing to pass on this temporary comfort, this temporary pleasure for an eternal joy that will far outweigh any suffering you could possibly experience as a result of walking in obedience to God. Jesus, for the joy set before Him, endured the suffering of the cross. And He looks at us as people. And he says, will you listen for the word of God in your life? Will you obey? Will you, for the joy that is set out for you in eternity, be willing to step into obedience right now and right here? In a minute, we're going to go take communion. We're going to continue worshiping. And and here's, here's what I know. I know that there are some of us in this room that are longing for blessings and longing for joy. I know that because I'm longing for it. Like, I I long for joy in my life. I long for blessing in my life. And here's the thing. You can find it. You can have it. The blessings of God are yours in Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is yours in Jesus Christ. And I believe that God speaks to all of us. I believe that if you open the word of God, he will speak to you. I believe that if you pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that he will speak to you. I I believe that if you will plunge yourself deep into Christian community where you allow others to speak into your life, that God will speak to you. The question is, will we listen to the word of God? And when we hear it, will we obey it? Will we trust that obedience to God, although it sometimes requires sacrifice, that obedience to God leads to eternal joy? And so as you come to communion this morning, the question is simply this, what are you hearing from God right now? How is God speaking into your life? What are you hearing? Now, for some of you, it it may be this place that for the first time in your life, you need to admit that you need Jesus. That's a hard thing to admit because it's humbling, right? To admit that I need someone else. And God might be saying to you this morning, hey, all those things you've been trying to find blessings and joy in, how how are they coming up for you? Like, are they coming up empty? Because if they're coming up empty, I promise you blessings and joy, but you need Jesus. So for some of you, it's going to be admitting that you need Jesus. That's the thing this morning that you just got to do. That's that's the place where you need to step into obedience and saying, okay, I, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. For some of you, it may be that place of confessing a sin. 
stepping into obedience, bringing sin into light. For some of you, it might be that, man, God is just, he's encouraging you to share the joy and the blessing that you have with your neighbors or with your coworkers, with a friend, with a family member. He might be calling you to share why you love Jesus and why Jesus is good news to a family member this Christmas season. But whatever it is, here's what I love about getting a room full of people this big, is that I know that God is speaking. And he's probably speaking to every single one of us because he knows you uniquely and he knows what he has for you in your life and he longs for you to hear his words. Will we believe that obedience truly unlocks the blessings and joy of God's kingdom in our lives? Will we believe it? So I'm gonna pray for us then we can go take communion. At least it's at the bar and on the tables as it always is. If you need prayers this morning, then there'll be men and women at the respond banner in the back and in the front. Will you worship the Lord and step into obedience this morning and share with those around you what God is saying to you? Let's pray. Father God, um, and we love you, Lord. And Lord, I just confess to you that I so often misunderstand this idea that you are close to the lowly and to the humble and that, that, Lord, you delight in obedience. And Lord, I just, I repent of trying to earn things from you. I repent of thinking that my value in the kingdom comes from my performance. I repent from thinking that my value in the kingdom comes from accomplishing things for you. Because, Lord, I know that when I believe that, then I'm not just believing about myself, I'm believing about everybody else. Lord, I repent. Help me, Lord, to truly see that you are near to the humble in heart. You are near to those who just long to hear your word and obey it. You are near to those who never get in the spotlight. You are near to those who never feel like they accomplish anything major for your kingdom. But, Lord, they hunger for you and they submit their lives to you. Lord, would you help all of us to have a heart humbled before you, that longs for what you long for, that listens to your word and steps in obedience. Lord, would you fill our church with the blessings and the joy of heaven because we are a church that longs to walk in radical obedience to you. I love you, Father. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.